Good morning, everybody. My name is Alan. Welcome to TGN, the Mountain Park Church Sunday morning experience that is loosely modeled after John Krasinski's SGN, the popularity of which it proves that people really do want to hear some good news. We need some good news right now. The difference for us is that we're focusing on TGN, not just some good news, but the good news. And the good news is that Jesus is King. No matter what is happening in the world, no matter what you are dealt with, no matter what you are dealing with, Jesus is in charge. This is the central, very good news. And as king, he will not take advantage of that rule, nor will he abdicate it. Jesus is king, he is in charge, and he is a very good king. Last week I talked about the king's value for us not judging one another, that we would show grace to one another instead of uh, judging those people who do not wear their masks or judging those people who do wear their masks that we would show grace to one another. The attention of the country this past week has been on racial discrimination. And so how have you done? How have you done this past week in terms of judging others? How have you responded to those who are protesting and walking around with signs? How are you responding to those who are not protesting? This morning, we are talking about a, a, a value that the king has for justice. It is a very important conversation that we need to have as we focus on Jesus as the King, the focus on the good news for that. In order to prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for this conversation, I'm now going to turn it over to the worship team who is going to lead us in a couple songs. This morning we are going to choose to say yes and to worship God in our lives. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're feeling, we're going to just say yes, Lord, we worship you.
should be called the sons and daughters of God? Aren't you thankful for a love that chases after us? that together.
everybody. This, of course, is the one and only Greg Battle. What's that in your background, Greg? What's, what do you have behind you? I have my house that uh, we, my wife and I just uh, renovated or a couple of months ago. And so, uh, yeah, so that's just, uh, that took us three months, three months to finish that. And so we are, uh, we're pr pretty happy about our work, so. It looks fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, you're, you're gonna share with us a, a few things that are going on here and I have a challenge for you. So sometime during what you're sharing, I want you to use the word football okay okay so football. work it in football. somehow all right go ahead okay all righty well uh good morning friends uh as alan said my name is greg battle and i serve as the adult ministry associate pastor here at, uh, at mountain park whether you are watching on facebook youtube or mountainpark.org forward slash online we want you to know that you are welcome and we're excited to worship with you today whether you are attending a regular tender or uh, this is your first time, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you. I'd love to connect with you just like I did as a linebacker. <clears throat> Want to connect with you. So we are asking you uh, to please fill out the online communication card so that we can stay in touch with you and keep you in the loop with what's going on here at Mountain Park. Now, wait, Speaking no, no, wait, of which, wait a second, Greg. When you say connect with someone as a linebacker, doesn't that mean you want to hurt them? No, I just want to tackle them with communication. <laughs> you want to tackle them with love. Okay. Okay. I Keep want on to tackle going. them with love. Oh, no, no worries. No worries. On Saturday, June 20th, we will be hosting a men's online breakfast, preparing us for Father's Day, which is the next day. Men, this is going to be a great morning where you will hear a message that will encourage us as men to be what God has called us to be. It's going to be a powerful morning, something that you'll not want to miss. There'll be more information, but now mark your calendars for June 20th, 8 a.m. So finally, Mountain Park, we are excited to announce that we will be having our in-person gathering back in our building beginning Sunday, June 28th. This, we will be implementing safety measures. Yes, right on, right on. <laughs> yes, we will be implementing safety measures and protocol to make sure that you and your family are safe and protected and comfortable. And we will continue our regular cleaning and sanitizing of the building. Please know that we will also continue streaming our services online. Now that we transition into giving uh, and our offering, we want you to know that there are two ways that you can give. You can text the number that you see on your screen or you can go to mountainpark.org forward slash give. Both these ways are safe and secure. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you have given. Even in the midst of this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing and the, the protests and the rioting, Heavenly Father, let us be the beacon of light that people seek uh, in their challenges, Heavenly Father. We love you and we thank you and we pray all these things in your son, Jesus Christ, amen. This morning, we were talking about a nationwide wound that has plagued this country since the very beginning. It is a wound that has never healed and has recently been ripped open by the public execution of George Floyd. This is not just a political issue. This very much is a spiritual issue because our creator, the one who designed us, the one who breathed life into us, has a very high value for justice. Now, when I say justice, I don't mean me being able to prove that I'm right and you're wrong and that I will use every resource available to me to make sure that my rights are taken care of and, and that I'm proven to be right. What we mean by justice is doing the right thing. It means, it means caring for and taking care of all of the sons and daughters of the king in a way that they deserve to be taken care of. This is a key and repeated theme throughout the biblical story that our creator God talks about the need for us to show justice, to take care of the widows and the orphans and the marginalized and the oppressed. In the New Testament, Jesus himself models repeatedly the value for justice. For example, he reached out to a young man named Matthew who was a despised tax collector. Not only reached out to him, but invited him 
to become part of his inner circle. Another time he reached out to a leper and actually touched the leper. This man who had probably not experienced human touch in quite some time. At one point he goes out of his way to have an interaction with a Samaritan woman who was gathering water at the well. Jews did not interact with Samaritans, especially a male rabbi interacting with a Samaritan woman. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Luke chapter 4, where Jesus says that he came to set the oppressed free. This is a key and, and, and vital theme throughout the biblical story. Now, identifying and, and doing something about injustice is not just a side issue in terms of being part of the kingdom. It's not just a, something optional on the side. It is central when Jesus is king. This morning, I want to take a look at one of the many times in Scripture where justice is talked about. We're going to look at the book of Amos deep in the Old Testament. Amos was one of the prophets, and the issue of justice was a very significant issue in terms of the exile story that the prophets repeatedly told the people of God, you must get this one right. We have to take care of all the sons and daughters of the king. We have to take care of them. If you don't, you will be kicked out of Jerusalem. And so um, we are going to take a look at a few verses in the book of Amos. And so I've asked my friend Anna today to help me with these verses. Hello, everybody. This is my friend Anna, and she is going to read for us. Anna, would you say hi? Hi. Hey, so glad you're with us. And you're going to read from Amos chapter 5 in the Old Testament. So you can go ahead. She's going to read from uh, Amos chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, whenever you're ready. Okay. I hate, I despise religious festivals. Your assemblies are a cinch to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your heart. Let justice flow on like a river, righteous, righteousness, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Outstanding. Well done. Now, I want, will you flip back to the very beginning? Flip back to verse 21. What's the first few words that you read? I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Okay. Would you say that God, this is God speaking here. Would you say that God is happy or not happy? Not happy. He's not happy. The word hate, despise, God is very upset. He is not happy with people who are acting like bullies. Do you, do, you know what a, do you know what a bully is? Yes. What, what would you say, how would you describe a bully? Doing the opposite of what's right. Doing the opposite of what's right? Yeah. A bully, a bully is someone who, who thinks they're better than others, and they push down or, or um, make life difficult for those who, are, who they believe are underneath them. And God is very upset with people who treat others poorly. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so that's what this is all about. That's what we're talking about this morning. And I'm so thankful that you uh, read that for us. And so uh, we're going to move on now. And at any time, you can just snap out, okay? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go! Oh, it's, it's every time. It shocks me. Every time when they do that. <laughs> Amazing. We protect kids from bullies. Can you imagine if little Anna's parents found out that she was being bullied at school? <laughs> I know Anna's parents. Can you imagine what the teachers would do if Anna was being bullied? I mean, it would be taken care of because in our communities, we have cracked down on bullies. We have just, it's not like it was when I was a kid. Man, I got stories. It was a different, different story. It was a different situation. But, but now in our communities, we have said, that is not right. We believe in justice. We have a value for justice. Little Anna has to feel safe when she goes to and from school, when she's at school. We value justice. So why, in the name of God, do we allow adult bullies 
to have their way with people who are different than them. Through the prophet Amos, God is essentially saying to all the the religious people, all the spiritual people, God is saying, set aside your religiosity. Set aside your fancy worship songs on the weekend. Set that aside. Set aside your fancy lights and your beautiful auditorium. Set aside your in-depth Bible studies going into the Hebrew and the Greek. Set that stuff aside. Set aside your posts on all sorts of social media where you take scripture in a beautiful font and you put them over stunning nature photos and you, 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 you demonstrate this through with all of your friends, etc. Set that stuff aside. Where are you on the topic of justice? Will you and I, as, as Amos wrote, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Will you and I stand up to the racist bullies that continue to exist in our culture, in our society? At this time, I want to pause and transition to a very important conversation and get a different perspective on this topic. Hello, everybody. I am gathered with uh, three leaders here at the church. I'm thrilled to uh, have a conversation with here. Uh, first of all is uh, Jerry Oliver, who is a former board member and a former uh, police chief and is, has been involved in the government and involved with uh, teaching uh, at ASU, etc., and brings much, much to the conversation. Uh, we have Janelle Kappas, who's currently on our board. She also teaches at ASU. So um, some very bright people here. Uh, in addition to that, we of course have uh, the, uh, the wonderful DeAndre uh, Clayton and uh, our worship leader here. DeAndre, I'm so thankful that you are here. I'm so thankful that you bring incredible gifts and skills that God's given you to lead us in, in the way that God has designed you to do. So I, I so appreciate you and uh, being able to work with you. So. Um, uh, I'm excited about uh, the, the hearing from the three of you uh, in light of a very difficult uh, past week, couple weeks, that is just the, the spear end of uh, years and years and years of a topic of, of um, uh, racial um, discrimination and, and uh, injustice. And so uh, I want to just first ask the three of you, when you first saw, assuming that you saw the video of uh, George Floyd that was uh, that was captured. What what was your what was your initial uh, thought? Uh, how did it feel? Um, what went through your mind when you saw that? I received a phone call from uh, a reporter that I frequently talk to, and he said, "Have you seen what's going on on CNN?" And uh, I said, "No." He says, "Turn it on right now," and I did. And it uh, just happened that it was being replayed at, right at that moment. And my first thought, of course, from a policing standpoint, is what the heck are these guys doing? Because I knew that the tactic was not appropriate. I've never seen anything like that uh, in terms of uh, arresting someone. And the longer I walked, watched, the angrier I got, especially when it got down to a point where he was saying, not only could he not breathe, but then he started to call out for help from his mother and uh, for his mama. So my initial reaction was anger and then frustration with the fact that none of the other police officers were moving to help, but just stood there. So, uh, and, and to a degree that anger still remains uh, because it was just inexcusable. I think for me, it was just overwhelming sadness, um, seeing the crowd, seeing people beg for this man's life and seeing that snuffed away. Um, I think like Jerry said, also some anger, seeing that on film, seeing that video and not knowing how it was gonna end or what was happening um, is just so traumatic. Um, so for me, it was just kind of overwhelming sadness and really just a feeling of, is this really happening again? Kind of a deja vu. Um, I know when I was telling my husband about it, he said, oh, you're, you're talking about the, the gentleman that was running, right? I said, no, not that one. Oh, you're talking about the woman who was 
you know, playing video games. And I said, no, not that one. No, what are you talking about? So it's another episode on top of what feels like a string of recent incidences. I think for me, um, just this overwhelming um, state of almost like being shocked or, or paralyzed that like, I mean, it, it hasn't even been a month since we just experienced this before. And there was this outburst of, of people and all that was going on. And here we are sitting, when we're trying to get back to some type of normalcy after COVID and we're experiencing this yet again and asking my, just a self of, of shock, what am I supposed to do? What, what, what if this was me? The, the question comes, what if this was me? Um, I, I could not bear myself to continue to watch the, the video much longer. I just imagine, um, having to call out for my mom or that that breath like how how could anyone just uh, just being a human how we could treat another human with that when you just ask for simple i can't breathe and so just a just a shock of going to paralyze and my I, I just an overwhelm for just like for grief for the state in which we're in for like just the reality of just a few weeks ago, you know, you were seeing people go out of their way trying to help people at whatever the cost is to now we're experiencing this, we're experiencing this yet again. And, and the, it brought about anger. Like it just brought about anger. Like when is enough enough? Like when are, when are we going to learn? When will it stop? Who will be next? What, what will be the end result? And how do we get back to a, when are we going to be able to talk about this? And then I guess I was just moved to like, as an African-American leader within the church, what am I supposed to say in response when people are talking about it amongst the church without feeling like I have to, I know I don't want to be the representative for all African-Americans, but I do want to speak, you know, what's in my heart and just to say, the Bible says that you can be angry, but sin not. And so how do I appropriately communicate that anger in a way that still brings honor to God, but just expresses my deep sadness for, for where we're at just as a, as a, as a people in general, collectively. The, the reality is that this isn't one, this isn't a one in a million thing that just happened to be captured on video as General was saying, it's just, there is a repeated uh, pattern here. And there's a, there's a reality that, that uh, even in our, and this isn't just way out there in Minnesota. This is a reality that is, that is here in our, in our city for sure as well. DeAndre, you and I have talked about specifically what it is like for you as an African-American in this community. And so um, can, you, can you help paint a picture? What is it like for you to live as an African-American in this community? You know, I, I, I often say, I'm thankful for the experiences and, and my upbringing because being raised in the South where people automatically put a stigma on what that looks like in the state's history of racism and, and being taught all the things that I was taught as a kid, just some simple things, you know. I don't get in my car without taking my billfold out and sitting on the dashboard. That's something my mom has communicated to me from a very young age, like, hey, things happen. You wanna make sure that your hands are already accessible. My cell phone is very close and just different things. So living in this community, I first have to say, there are good people in our community. There are good people across the world and there are good people in Minnesota, but sometimes we fail to realize the experience of people who may look different than us. Um, never in my life, my worst fear is being pulled over by a police officer knowing that I know good men and women who are police officers and, you know, I'm pro cop, you know, like, but being pulled over because I don't know what that experience is going to look like. And just thinking back to November when I walked into your office one day and said, last night after leaving our young adult group, I was pulled over by a police officer with all these things, nothing was wrong. And I even had a friend with me and I told my mom, I'm so thankful. My friend Rob, who was here helping us and our church, who's, who's Caucasian was here with me in the car because it brought a peace to me, but still I was, I was nervous. I was shaking knowing I hadn't broken any law. And then to walk through the whole process to say I was pulled over for no apparent reason. And it didn't even hell hold up in court just brought about anger. Like, you know, I come, I serve in this community. I serve people that look totally different than me that are from totally different social economic status. Just to say, I encountered that to say like, wow, 
Like, I'm thankful that it didn't go to anything else. Like, let me watch what my tone is like. Let me watch what my hands. So all these things, like I'm on, on edge for something that, because I've seen this on television, it's now happening to me and will it go to this far? So what can I do to prevent any escalations, whether that's get past this and then communicate with, with the right um, legal authorities, how I was treated in that, which is something that I did, but it just brought an awareness to me. It really hit home then that, you know, no one should be fearful to go out of their home. Me living by myself, I should not be fearful to go out and drag my, trash can to the curb. Like, I should not be fearful to live in a community where I'm a law-abiding citizen and I give back to people, but it's, it's, it's where we are and it's disappointing. So it's frustrating. It doesn't make me lose hope because I'm just reminded that it's, we have a real enemy and our enemy is not each other. And it just goes back to there's a, there, there's a sin issue and our issue with our uh, falling far away from God that gets brought up in all these things that bring up all these other issues that we have to face. But it, it's a reminder that more so than ever, the church needs to be the church and that we need to, we need to speak about these things, but we also need to speak hope and try to bring about change inside of our church as we're worshiping with one another and as we're loving on one another to say that. Um, we can be the difference and it does take, it's one person at a time, but we can, we can make an impact. It may not be as fast as I would like for it to be, but we can make an impact. Unlike on DeAndre, I was, I was born in Phoenix and I was born uh, in a place where people really don't believe that there is a lot of racism. Uh, they believe a lot of times that there are, that we are a place of enlightenment. Uh, not to deal with the political side, just dealing with uh, humans and the people that live here, believing that they're different somehow from uh, white people in the South. But um, I also lived through a time when we were totally desegregated. I, I went to an all black grade school. I went to a high school that was just recently, the time I went there, just that, I mean, within a year or so, been integrated. Uh, and, the Phoenix Union High School District. And um, I've gone through a university where I still work that in many ways, uh, there are many slights that I don't think a lot of times that white people even think about. Uh, they don't even, they don't experience it. So that's when we talk about privilege. Um, they don't experience it so they don't understand it. And I guess that's my biggest frustration in living uh, in Phoenix, uh, a place that I've lived most of my life is that it's hard to, um, once you explain what it's like to be on the other side as, um, as DeAndre did so eloquently, the problem is that you don't get a reaction. Like, I, what's wrong with those people? What, I don't understand what they're talking about. Um, and that's the big frustration for me is when, when will we as a people, not here but across the country, decide that it's everybody's problem and not just African-Americans problem? And you know, this may sound a little funny, but when will we have the moral equivalent of a Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King, on the white side that can stand up and say, we've got to do better and that we can quote continuously about how um, our society can improve and offer justice to everybody. This is, this is not just an issue for African-Americans. This is an issue for Absolutely. It's not just an issue for African-Americans to figure out. It's an issue for all of us to Absolutely. have our eyes open to. Yeah. Janelle, do you have anything to add? Sure. You know, I'd echo what Jerry and DeAndre had to say just about this idea about just biases that we all have that are kind of there and unexamined and in the way that that, you know, infiltrates into the African-American experience. Um, you know, I was raised and I raised my children. We don't eat while we're in a grocery store until we've paid for things because people might look at us differently. We don't ever try to make returns. You know, if you want to buy something, keep it because if you make your return, you might be accused of shoplifting. And I have been numerous times for things that I've returned. And that's, I think, an experience people don't think about. Um, when my dad comes to visit, he loves to walk. I will not let him walk in my neighborhood. 
Um, I know people will make a phone call. Someone will ask. There's, there's somebody out there walking. I mean, there's those little things that I think, um, like Jerry said, I don't think people think about when you're not an African-American and you don't have that experience. And then I think, um, just like Jerry said, sometimes when you share it, um, you can be dismissed easily. Um, sometimes I'll share it, you know, gosh, I was just out and I was mistaken for a housekeeper. Oh, that's probably just because of what you were wearing or, oh, they probably just didn't, didn't know or didn't think or were being silly. As opposed to maybe that's a bias people have, or maybe we should really look at why I was mistaken for a housekeeper or why I'm mistaken for a nanny frequently when I go out with my children and my husband never is. Um, and, and what that looks like and, and what that tells us about our society and just biases that we all have. Because like you said, Alan, it really is, it's, it's up to everyone. We all have biases and I'm not excluded from that. But I think sometimes it, it seems like people don't want to look at that or, you know, it's scary and uncomfortable to acknowledge. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, so here's an opportunity to speak to the church, this, this gathering of people who are pursuing Jesus together and some are very aware of the things that you're talking about. Many are not. Many are completely ignorant to, to what life looks like, you know, for, for um, as you've been describing it. What do, we, what do we need to know? What do we as a church, do you think, just, just some kind of snippet right now, what, what do we need to know or understand or feel here at this time um, that, we're, that perhaps we're not? I would start the conversation with asking my white neighbors and friends and congregants, how did you feel when you sat and watched this officer uh, cavalier with his hand in his pocket, with a knee on a, another human being's neck? How did you feel with the cruelty that was displayed uh, not only by him, but by the officers that stood by and watched it. And again, as a police officer for 40 years, I was in it for 40 years, uh, I had not seen, I've seen pretty tragic stuff, pretty inhumane, egregious things. I had never seen anything like that. So I would want to know how did they feel and then what can we do together to work through some of those situations? I, what laws, what policies, what... Uh, what thoughts, what coming together can we do as a people to make sure that that doesn't happen again? For any who watch that, if that doesn't stir up something in you to say something must be done, then, then what, what's missing? How, how could that not, not have stirred up something significant in you? And also I would wanna, I would ask him, there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people across the country and now across the world that um, saw this and reacted and demanded change. I would want to know how many people in our congregation, for instance, have been a part of a movement demanding change uh, in our country and in our nation. Janelle DeAndre, do you have anything to add to that? I think mine goes back to just the, the heart of God. What's, what's the heart of God in all of this? What's, what's his heart for the body? Because in the, in the body, in the kingdom of God, there is no injustice. There is no racism. There is no division. Um, so as we, specifically to those who identify to be Christ followers, um, do we really examine what our hearts are? What's, what's in our hearts. Uh, my grandmother used to always use a saying, um, what isn't healed in us we pass on. My grandmother's talked about what it's like not to look at people based upon their skin, the color of their skin, their social economic status, their degrees, but to really love people as God would love them, as you love your neighbor and to say that if racism is in us, you know, and I, I just remember my uncles and my mom who grew up and, and just these times that, that were difficult for them, them asking questions, but my grandmother said, it has to be healed in us or else we pass it on. I've asked myself, how have I specifically been praying about this? As a believer, not just when it arises in the media, 
But how have I intentionally said, you know, God, your word says that if, you know, if your people who are called by your name shall humble themselves and pray, we are part of his people. Black people are part of his people, white people, Hispanics, Asian, Latinos, we're part of his people. But if my people, what are we doing as a church to really pray about this? Like, and so my challenge would to be to say, allow yourself to silence and really do some heart searching. Like to, to really see some heart searching because when people, and as the church, when people come to our church, what we really believe, we want to be a place for the dis distracted and the disinterested. And those are, that's a diverse group of people, racially, social, economically, that when they walk into our building or we have a conversation with them in the coffee shop, that we're really being the church and not just saying we're a part of something, but not living it. And so that would be my challenge to us that we, we examine self and then we figure out together, how do we move forward? And if your, your social circle is just made up of people that look like you, there might be an issue. <laughs> like there, there, you might need to just start there having a conversation. You know, I often think, when was the last, someone, the last time you invited someone to your home that maybe didn't look like you? didn't act like you didn't grow up, that we intentionally can begin the conversation and say, we want to be different. So let's start somewhere. So that would be mine. Wow, that was great, DeAndre. I, I would add to that. And I'd say my, uh, my two words, I think are, are three, I guess, listen and show up. Um, I think really listening, um, really hearing what people are saying, listening without caveats, without, well, but they're doing this or but what was that? Just really listening. Um, and then showing up and knowing that, you know, you might make mistakes, we all do and that's okay, but it's more important to show up um, and to ask questions and to figure out maybe what your next steps would be. So I guess my question would be, what are your next steps? And I think there's so much all of us can do, um, just like DeAndre said, maybe we look at our circle and see who are we hanging out with most, but we could also have some tough conversations in our family, have some difficult conversations, maybe with our family of origin, Remember the family of creation. Um, what are we talking about with our children? Is this is happening right now? Um, who are we listening to? What podcasts are we listening to? How could we maybe broaden our knowledge? What are we watching on television right now? How could we broaden, you know, what we see um, and really think about our perceptions and do some of the heart searching DeAndre talked about? You know, when I see this on TV, what does this make me think and how does this make me feel? I think can be really important. Conversations and small steps and thinking about you know, little ways we can change. So maybe the next time that your friend or your grandma says something that, you know, doesn't sit right with you, maybe instead of saying, oh, that's just grandma, that you, you have that conversation or, you know, that, that joke isn't appropriate or, you know, whatever that is. But I think there's a lot of little things we can all be doing, all of us in the community. And I think thinking about what those next steps might be would be kind of my challenge. What's next for you? Thank you, uh, all three of you. Thank you for your um, authenticity and for your willingness to, to be a part of this uh, conversation and for uh, teaching and enlightening us and opening us, uh, opening us up more. Thank you also for your leadership. All three of you have and continue to have leadership roles in our church, with it, which is so significant. Thank you for your influence on us, and, uh, and I'm honored to, to do it with you, to serve with you. So. Truly, thanks for your time, and um, and uh, may God you know bless this conversation. It's it's one of many. All right, thanks, guys. Thank thanks. You. God bless you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. So, did you learn anything? Particularly if you, like me, are white in the majority and of the privileged. Did you learn anything about the community that we live in? These conversations are critical. Education is critical. Ignorance will not satisfy the king. In the wake of what has happened in the last week and a half or so, all of us fall into one of three categories. Category number one is that we are contributing to the problem, either in big repulsive ways, racist ways, or in small, more subtle ways, like telling a, a racist joke and then just saying, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Can't you take a joke? Or category number two is that we are doing something about it. We are marching, we are writing, we are intentionally reaching out 
to people in our communities, people in our church, people at, at work who look different than we do. We are intentionally reaching out, connecting with, with, with people who look different. Category number three is that we're doing nothing. That we just land in this place of saying, I am not contributing to the problem, so it is not a problem that I need to solve. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. If there's one place where racism should not be a problem, if there's one place where people should not feel judged in terms of their hair or the clothes that they're wearing or the color of their skin, it should be where? The church. The church, because we believe that Jesus is king. And he has been crystal clear on this issue, saying we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. He says, he says, people will know you are my disciples. In other words, you are following me. You believe I am in charge. I am the king. People will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us be the church. I pray that we would honor you in what we say and what we do. I pray that you would inspire us to to move out of that third category of, of, of just thinking this is not my problem. God, that we would, we would whether, we, whether we're black or white, red, yellow, whoever we are, God, that we would embrace. This is an issue for all of us. God, that you would inspire us. You are the king. We want to hear from you so that we can love your sons and daughters in ways that are honoring to you. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue to sing this timeless hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Thank you. 
verse together. And with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. It will be my joy through the ages to sing of his Indeed, how marvelous it would be if we could diminish adult bullying to the degree that we have diminished bullying in our schools. How marvelous would it be if this is the generation sparked by a tragic event that, it, that can accomplish what previous generations could not. Are you part of the problem somehow? Are you pre pretending or thinking that the problem is somebody else's problem? Or are you going to be part of the solution? Folks, this week, I, I hope that you think about and remember every day the good news that Jesus is King. May he lead you and guide you in ways so that we can live lives that honor him. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time.